Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I am the Keeper of the Secrets, and this is episode 26. Our recap will be given by Josh Harwood as his character, Dorian Dabrowski. But before we begin, I do want to thank a returning patron, Mark Graham, for his four-pound four uh, contribution. It goes towards keeping us going, and it helps us improve our club. Uh, like I said at the end of the show, just a dollar to a month is much appreciated. Once again, thank you very much, Mark. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Josh? Thank you, voice in my head. Uh, dear sister, I find myself back in this realm, I guess, for dreaming. <laughs> Imagine. Did you ever imagined when we were kids, stuck in our dreams? <laughs> it would have been a hell of a lot better. <laughs> anyway, uh, we now are Yorkless. Uh, I hope he is okay. The passengers are born via the Dreamland Express. <laughs> um, are concerned that York is not here. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Myself and Gunther, uh, we paid a visit to the Sanafians, and um, I was this close to Sanafian, very, very close to Sanafian. I cannot deal with their view on life, on just in general, sodomizing statues and... Picking on the poor, basically. That's what the Ibians are. They're, they're the poor. They're the, the dirt on the bottom of the rich's shoe. And it doesn't sit well for me because that's what me and you were, really. We were the dirt under our father's shoe. So it sits doesn't sit right. On our journey, we uh, stopped. Um, and I was advised not to look out the window, but I chose to. There, Henri was attacked uh, by some evil person, wizard, whatever. Uh, but thanks to uh, especially Gabriel, um, we managed to get Henri to safety. Also along the journey, we met Guillaume again. Well, they met Guillaume. It is my first time seeing this man. I uh, I missed the journey in France. So, uh, but, but from what they told me about him, he was definitely different. And uh, We brought him along. Will we regret it along the way? He wants to do what everyone on the Dreamland Express want to do, throw away their regrets, their pain, their misery, anger. <laughs> but yes, we continue. And we are approaching the Gulf of Nodens, our final destination. 
could be anyway. It depends on the choices we make. And I do not know if I really want to throw away the, the pain. I know I have that pain, that anger, that resentment towards dad and even mother. But do I really want to throw it away? Is it something I, we have to live for it. We have to live with it. It's a part of us. Can I really throw it away? I do not know. But I don't know what the others are thinking, hopefully. They are as conflicted as I am. We will soon find out as we reach our final stop. I don't know what else awaits us here or on our journey in the waking world. <laughs> but, you know, we take a day at a time and I'm sure we will come out it fine. So as you are on the dreamland, you've come to that spot that you saw earlier on a map in uh, Afarat, I believe, the detour that leads into the uh, hills uh, up above, the, uh, the ugly landscape of Zura and uh, Thalarian are, are gone. And uh, you go into what seems to be a very peaceful valley and what is most striking about it is all of the hillsides are covered in red flowers. Um, small, uh, not, not quite poppies, uh, something more like anemones or carnations that are growing everywhere. And as the train uh, comes to a halt, um, Henri announces to you that you have arrived in Ira and uh, they're going to do a small service for uh, Prince Nimbus and bury him in this place. And the ramp is sort of lowered to the ground. There's no, no platform, but you are free to wander. And he points out in, a di in the distance, maybe quarter of a mile away there is a large um stone that is sticking up uh it looks like it might have writing on it um and he says that's where we're going to meet uh it's going to take you know, half an hour or so to prepare and then we'll do that so you are free to wander about is is this area safe to wander about yes there's nothing here this is. This was once a city, but there's nothing left of it. Mm. Not did, even. Not even ruins. Did is was this place chosen by King Terragon and Queen Sophie, or? Yes, they thought it was an appropriate spot. It does seem idyllic. Uh, what was the city that was lost? Is is there a is the it city remembered? Of, the city of Ira. Um, oh yeah. On the stone there, it uh, it commemorates the spot. Uh, there's a whole thing written on it. Hmm. But uh, I'm going to go assist them in preparations, and uh, we'll meet you there. Of course, um, thank you. Looking looking at the the stone marker. What is it? What does it say? 
Well, it's about a quarter of a mile away, so you'll have to walk all the way over to it. And there's no path. There's just red flowers everywhere. And and there's uh, places. It is just lovely. Does anybody want to just join me for a walk? And I'd love to. Yeah, so it reminds me of uh, Flanders Fields in, in Belgium. Well, yes, the air is, join you too. The air is warm. There's little butterflies flitting about here and there. And I, I do have some apprehension of just going about without any protection. I have no idea what's out there. Mimi, would you, uh, would you present me a, a small walking stick with a sword or something like that? Maybe just a, a small sword. Something, yeah. Okay, sure. Thank you, Mimi. All right. So you walk out there. It's, uh, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's, uh, there's a pleasant breeze. It smells lovely. And, uh, and you, you come upon the, uh, the, the, the stone. Here once stood Ira, city of golden domes, the dream of the shepherd boy, Iridon. As long as Iridon sought Ira, he remained young. He remained forever young. And for that long, Ira flourished and prospered. But when Iranon lost hope, he grew old overnight and walked into Benazic quicksands. That night, Ira and all her people vanished. Oh, dreamers, hold fast to your dreams, lest they too perish. Hmm. I like the field of uh, red flowers. Hmm. So after a short period of time, um, you hear a sort of gonging sound as uh, a little procession begins to come from the train towards the back of the train where the cat car was. Uh, and the cats are all filing out uh, two by two. And uh, in the front, uh, uh, four cats are bearing a small uh you know, litter with uh, the Prince Nimbus's body on it. Um, they move forward to the, uh, in front of the stone, and uh, a few words are said by Henry, and uh, there is a kind of silent uh, acknowledgement by the cats, and uh, a number of rather stout-looking cats come forward and scratch out a hole in the ground. They dig it very quickly, and uh, they place Nimbus's body in it, and then bury it up. And there is a moment of silence, and then everybody begins to return back to the train. That's a waste, a loss. I wonder how the uh, Ori, Oui, monsieur. Was uh, Nimbus a litter of one? I do not recall. Or did he have litter mates? He does have brothers and sisters. And so the dynasty is in in proper hands. We think it's quite it's quite safe. Yes. Must the, be very... um, the cats of Uther have uh, told me that they are extremely appreciative towards you for solving this murder um they still wish to present their case before uh, king Koranis when he gets on board in sonanil 
um, perhaps you can speak in his behalf or uh, so that at least proper justice is done and nothing is done. I think we've established or you've established that it wasn't really Miron Umer's fault. Yeah, I think that is clear. Uh, and also it does not seem to have been your fault and Minnie's. But I don't know what the cats will wish for in compensation. I am forever here now, but you will be returning eventually to the waking world. You may find that cats treat you quite differently. Hmm. In the waking, they're all they're all connected. Our cats are a little smarter than your cats, but there's still hmm. a definite connection between the two. Let's return to the train. So we return to the train, and uh, everyone is quite somber. Uh, everyone attended except for, of course, those who are locked up. Uh, and uh, Madame Bonneval did not attend. She uh, she has secluded herself somewhat, you know, hermit-like in her room. Did the Cernathians attend? Yeah, the Cernathians stood quite a ways back, but probably tittering to one another occasionally. Mm -hmm. The the Ebians did not attend because nobody would want that. (laughs) It would not do the beautiful red flowers any good to have them pass by. Yeah. Yeah. the question I, I I wonder about in terms of asking the king for justice for Nimitz's death is where whether Madame Bonneval does not hold some responsibility for it with her dark gothic romance with this wizard that they allow others to suffer in their stead. Mm. I mean, they... I, one could argue she does. I mean, you, in in our world, we hold people accountable if people are injured through your your indifference or our disregard of human safety. I mean, she she knew what she was bringing to the train, attracting to the train. Yeah. Well, and it not only got Prince Nimbus killed, but it almost got everybody killed. I mean, when he was trying to wrest control of of Henri, that's endangerment. First degree. Yeah, she should at least have had the respect. But uh, she is not well, of course. We'll see what... Uh, Henri says the king is quite just, so we must hope that this is the case. Henri, what is the next stop? Uh, The next stop is Sonanil, the land of fancy. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pity we can't find any books that we don't know. Uh, Henri, do you have experience in the uh, in dream justice? Can you advise us before we help, try to help adjudicate this? It's the same same justice as your own. It's what you feel is fair. Um, we don't want innocent people harmed. Uh, we want 
we want the guilty to be either fixed or punished for what they've done. Or it's not so much the punishment, though some can be quite harsh. It's more removing them from the general populace to protect the uh, those who abide by the law. Yeah, exile or other forms of removal. But, but I, it I bothers guess... me, this um, this black, this dark sorcerer, he presents a very dangerous problem. There are many, many gods of the dreamlands, and some of them are much worse than others. And it would seem that he has allied himself with the darkest of them. Is there uh, an entity you have in mind? Oh, None that I would care to say out loud, but we have Nodens as our ally, and he is by far one of the most powerful of the gods. Um, perhaps the most powerful is Hypnos, but uh, Hypnos is one that is very difficult to get in contact with. Always hitting the snooze alarm. <laughs> yeah. I, you you mentioned earlier though before law, so there would have to be something written about what is law here, would there not? Well, I'm sure there are libraries full. Um, of course, the law for us is King Kuranis. He uh, he is establishing the order, the overall order of everything here. The, the reason I ask is if I'm not sure where it falls into. If if one is aware of the law, if there's any protection for the ignorance of the law, I'm not sure where that falls. But if, if someone was not to know what is legal and illegal, could they be justly charged accordingly? These are questions for King Kuranis. And uh, as you've impressed the cats, you could impress him. and uh, You will have an ally in the dreamlands uh, like no other. Yes. So on we shall go. It's not going. It's not too far to get to Sunanil. Excellent. Maybe a cup of tea might be a time for Mimi. Mimi, uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot. Mm. (laughs) It gives you anything you need. Oh, thank you. It's time to get one of those tentacle massages in the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, fine tea. Thanks, Mimi. So you move on. Uh, the train the train uh, sweeps through the countryside, and it begins to move down towards the coast. You can see the ocean, and uh, there is a, a gigantic city uh, on a sort of prominence that sticks out. Uh, a bit into the ocean with gold domes and it's covered it's surrounded by pastoral fields and farms and uh as you approach it uh it uh it it just it seems like every moment that you approach it it gets more beautiful as it as it goes you can see as you as the train passes you can see very uh happy looking inhabitants um people with wares uh, uh colorful uh Colorful clothing they're selling, colorful uh, uh, 
umbrellas and things like that. Uh, there are beautiful pagodas and uh, uh, that rise up like uh, temples here and there. And, and you can see off in the distance, out towards the ocean, you can see two large pillars of crystal that stick up out of the water, uh, which they uh, Henry will tell you that is the margin uh, between here and the end of the dreamlands. Hmm. That is where the ocean plunges down into the Gulf of Totens past that. But there is still one more stop before there. Fascinating. And he says, the day is not quite clear enough to see it, but up above, in the sky above, there is the marble cloud city of mm. uh, Saranian. And that will be our last stop before we go uh, and make our stop at the Gulf of Notans, over the Gulf of Notans. Uh, by this, you imply that Mimi can also fly up to a cloud city? Indeed. Mm. Have you not noticed that the rivers, the gaps, the cliffs, the mountains, Mimi just goes right over them without any... There have been times on our trip when we were going almost straight up cliff, and yet none of you noticed. You just may not have been looking out the window at the time. Mm -hmm. She's quite dexterous. Yeah, of course. Uh, I would say I would highly I would highly recommend sitting on the observation play, uh, platform when we uh, when we leave. It's quite spectacular. Are there any protocols for meeting King Koranian that we should be aware of? Be yourself. Be uh, be polite, and you're fine. Ah. You, I believe, you call him Your Majesty, which is what everybody calls him. Not sire. <laughs> mm. Good to know. Sire is specifically what his family would call him. And Highness? Highness is fine, yes. Majesty, Highness, not Sire. All right. Uh, well, I think I will... Um, retire to my room and spin my vert wheels around meditatively since there's nothing to study which makes me uncomfortable I like to prepare well all right um, now if there's not if there's something that you guys want to do tell me or we can move on to uh, Son Anil the arrival all right, so the sky is beginning to change to a lovely deep orange as you are approaching Sonanil. Uh, it's probably about what well, the equivalent of like three in the afternoon. Um, the way the sun hits the towers and everything, everything becomes pink and orange and uh quite spectacular um you arrive in sonanil and uh 
once again, there is a large exchange between the train and the people, all sorts of things being exchanged. And there is a distant horn that is blown. And you can see uh, coming down the main thoroughfare of the city towards the train is an entourage. Uh, the entourage being uh, military-looking knights, all dressed in sparkling armor, uh, riding on white horses. And uh, as they approach, uh, there's one in the back that is all decked out in gold, and there's a man sitting on top of it who must be the king. Uh, they arrive at the platform, and the guards stand to either side as King Koranis steps forth, and he is accompanied by two, uh, two of his knights. Uh, now, I'll show you his portrait. He looks quite young. Mm. And uh, as he comes forward, there are, as I say, there are two knights with him. All the other knights stay behind. And Henry meets him at the edge of the platform uh, and, and bows. Uh, Your Majesty, uh, welcome to the Dreamland Express. And he says, uh, Henry, it's good to see you again. He says, uh, we have your suite uh, prepared for you. And uh, he says, excellent. Uh, and Henry says, there's going to be a large feast this evening. And then uh, we have some matters we would like to bring before you. And he says, yes, yes of course, uh, those can wait. Let's, let's do all of the pleasantries. And uh, you all sort of follow up, up, up back on board the train. And uh, he settles in. Uh, there's something there's something odd about him and it's not it's not odd in a weird way it's odd in a it's kind of odd the way that the uh the chartreuse de sarub sort of made you feel like it was liquid sunlight um there he's just got an aura about him that is very beautiful pleasant um solid like uh like his presence makes this dream all the more real um so uh is there anything you want to do before dinner uh i'm wondering Henri, if there is some way to have mimi form a membrane or some such so that the ibians could be part of the feast without being themselves uncomfortable or making others uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think it might put the balance a little more equal between the Ibians and the Sanapians. It is an interesting idea. Let me see if we can fashion something so that they might be present and yet uh, olfactorily separate from... Yeah, they the could others. have their beet roots and... Uh, but also, yeah, hear what is said and perform their a, own. That is a very kind and uh, thoughtful idea. And so, uh, in fact, that is exactly what he does. He creates a specific spot for them. Uh, and it looks like glass, uh, quite ornate. And... Uh, 
you see, okay, so we'll we'll move on to the feast, okay? And the king is on a dais. He's up in the front. Somehow the dining room has expanded uh, quite spectacularly for everyone to be there. And once again, everyone is there except Adam Bonneval. She, uh, she seems to have sequestered herself and doesn't want to... Uh, to leave. Maybe that shook her more than she admits. Well, reassure that she is well, though, physically. Yes, just extremely stubborn. Yeah. Um, so why don't you all do, I'm sure you guys are paying close attention to everything, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, do, a, do a spot hidden for me, though. Yeah. Standard. Okay. So those of you who failed it, you're you're just you're looking at the ornamentation and the the people and the beauty and all that. Um, those of I you who were were did pass, you're you're paying attention. You notice that um, the king himself is quite surprised when he sees the Ibians. Um, uh, you know, you see him whispering to one of his knights on either side of him. Uh, it doesn't look like he's being rude in any manner, but he, you know, he's probably asking more information about what this is and why they are behind glass and, and so forth. And Henry probably you know, assists in some of the answers to that. Um, you definitely get the, the, the definite impression that King Koranis has never actually seen an Ibian. Mm-hmm. The Emil... Um, it it's, consists of potage a la reine, soup for the king, uh, which is really just cream of chicken. <laughs> um, uh, braised flamingo tongues with truffles from the eastern fungus forest, haunches of royal venison from the slopes of Mount Larian, a pair of roast peacocks from the hills of... Uh, Implan, uh, dressed in their feathers, served upon golden platters, uh, set with their bills and their their fingernails set with rubies and diamonds, a castle of spun sugar in the shape of Sarani in the Cloud City, um, fruits, nuts, spices uh, from Sindarathian groves, sauces prepared with the subtlest uh, by the subtlest cooks, suited to the palate of every feaster. Once again, pearls from wave-washed metal dissolved in vinegar of Thrace and various wines, uh, Zug, once again, Zug wine and uh, other various forms. It is spectacular. And uh, Dr. Roland probably gets vegetarian because <laughs> they already know that's what you like. Anyways, the meal commences and uh, it finishes and the king then announces, or it's, it's announced by Henry that the king will hear any uh, discussions that need to be made with him. Meanwhile, the train has resumed its movement. Did the, uh, the feline contingent does not attend, I assume? Uh, no, however, uh, said envoys or something. Right, shortly, shortly after, when the uh, uh, the first order of business, when the uh, when the king is seeing people, is he pays his respects to the uh, 
the king and queen of Uthar and uh, his, his deep regret at the loss of their, their son, of the prince. Uh, now then it comes before me that there is a dispute between the Ibians and the Sarnathians. Um, and both parties are present. And in this case, there's not really any shield. Um, the room is kind of smelly, but the king is perfectly composed. Uh, he doesn't make any gesture that it bothers him or anything like that. Um, are any present who will speak for these uh, two sides, or do they speak for themselves? Myself, along with um, Roland, will be speaking on behalf of the Ibians. Dr. Neruda and Dr. Kurz, uh, please, you know, step forward, and you guys step over to where the Ibians are. Will anybody speak for the Sarnathians? I raise my hand. I have been uh, uh, selected by the Sarnathians to represent them. Mr. Gunter Block. Thank you. Step the king uh, says, um, have you, before we have arrived, come to any kind of resolution? We, we've tried to reach a resolution with the, with the Sarnathians, but they are unwilling to, to agree to any of the Ibians' terms. Uh, some they have yeah. they have accepted some, uh, and yet there is there is one term that uh, they are at a Im impasse of uh, agreement on. I think that would be a fair fair statement re regards to the spoils of of war. Well, can you uh, describe for me the uh, the exact nature of these requirements? The Ibians are seeking restitutions for the genocide committed against them when the Sarnathians arrived. Specifically, they wish for both a, a very clear apology, some fiscal compensation, but the sticking point is that they wish the idol of their deity to be returned to them. And which is their deity? It is Bokrug. He turns to one of his uh, knights and he gives him a glance and then looks back and he says, and uh, what are the uh, Sarnathians' objections to this? Uh, their, their objections to, they are uh, more than happy to uh, re recompensate them in uh, jewels and to give a diplomatic uh, apology, not a, an explicit apology, but they are uh, steadfast in their uh, belief that the statue was, uh, is theirs and that they, they gained it through uh, conquest and that it is now part of their ceremonies. If you'll permit, Your Majesty, I would specify that these ceremonies are specifically insulting and blasphemous to the Ibians and their deity by nature. Hmm. It seems that the Ibians are the ones who worship this particular god. And there are, as we say, many gods of the 
of the dreamlands. Uh, it is it is understood also that some of these gods are not particularly impressed by prayers, but they are sometimes quite vengeful. I would suggest then to the Sarnathians that rather than continue to invoke this uh, insult against one of the gods of the dreamlands to consider returning the statue. Uh, however, um, I feel that I would much prefer it if both sides would come to a more solid resolution uh, without me having to force anything on them. Um, what do the Sarnathians say? And uh, the Sarnathians, you now notice, have been acting in a very sycophantic sort of manner. They're, they're keeping their eyes averted and they're, they're looking down, but you don't feel a sincerity there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. Of course, we will comply with whatever his majesty says. But you feel have agreed way too easily to, uh, <laughs> you know, what say the, the Ibians? And the Ibians hold up the little squeaker and it says, we want only justice for what they did to our people. Mm. Are there any other arguments? Are there any other persuasions you might say before I pass judgment? Yes, the, the Ibians, the, the Sarnathians have been duly warned by the Ibians about the, the consequences that they will bring upon themselves by their continued desecration of the statue of Bokrug. And the Sarnathians were were very dismissive and vehement that they would not return the statue. So I, I, I would fear leaving the decision of the return of the statue in the Sarnathians. I do, I do not trust the Sarnathians will act in, in good faith. If I may add again, Your Highness, uh, we also have information that the Sarnathian emissaries actively considered simply murdering the Ibian emissaries so as to obviate the necessity of this council. But, but, but to be fair, that, I mean, uh, they, they did not act upon that. So uh, a dis discussions of it, no matter how distasteful, are, should, shouldn't be held they in the They did engage in, in an act of physical violence against the Ibians when they arrived on the train. Yes, I, I agree that they did did act in uh, physical violence, which they have uh, sworn sworn off. But the, I would, the, the Sarnathians are like, it was a joke. It was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but but it is a, it is a, the statue is in the Sarnathians' possession, and they they did take it. And it is in traditions and in, in wars that some spoils are t are taken as a compensation for the cost. But, I would agree with Mister Block in that. However, I would remind the Sarnathians that the city of Sarnath is extremely wealthy, extremely powerful. They could certainly depart with a single 
golden statue. All right, I lean over to the Sarnathians as like, uh, I do not have the plenipotentiary power to make this decision. You do. Uh, what do you think? It seems like the king is leaning in favor of deciding against us. One of them says, um, perhaps uh, in in the uh, in the hopes of greater communion between Sarnath and Selephaeus, uh, surrounding him, and both uh, Nargal, his majesty, uh, we will comply uh, and uh, because it pleases your majesty. And he says, well, then, I think that's decided. Uh, all the compensation, the, the uh, rubies, sapphires, and uh, the apology uh, are are forthwith given to the uh, the Ibians in this case. Uh, Ibians, have you chosen a location for your rebuilt city? And they admit they have not, but uh, they would very much like to place it once again on the shores of Menar. But that is uh, not a sticking point. Very well, then let's consider this concluded. And uh, the uh, Sarnathians and the Ibians leave. He says, now I, I heard that there was a murder, the murder of a royal, Prince uh, Nimbus of Uther, uh, who is responsible in this case. This is that's a this is a very complicated uh, matter, Your Majesty. For for you see, currently in the belly of Mimi, there is a man named Moronimer who is being held as the one who killed the cat. However, he was not acting under his own free will. The Cerubian, the Cerubian Moronimer, yes. He was not in control of his body or his actions when the event occurred. He was, in a sense, mind-controlled and used as a weapon. So he is less, in my mind, he's not a perpetrator, but is, in fact, a victim A victim as, as well. Can you prove this? Um, Henri, if you could speak to your experience of the of the dark sorcerer trying to arrest control of you in the train? We, uh, your majesty. Um, and he explains exactly. He goes over the details of what happened. Uh, and he did, brings up the dark sorcerer. Um, the king uh, says, well, it, it seems that the dark sorcerer is to blame. However, he still holds sway over Maronimer uh, because uh of the cat, the uh, the the cat that the Maronimer fancies, um, the cats then make their argument, and the cats say, uh, "Utherian law states quite clearly that anyone who harms a cat is guilty and needs to be punished." However, there could be added to Utherian law 
um, the contingency that if it's not, if it's an accident, uh, and in this case, a compulsion by some outside force, that there could be a media, uh, you know, uh, it could be mediated. Mediated? Is that the right word? Um, he says, uh, but the cats say, that's got to be done in Uther. So they they would request that Moronimer be returned to Uther, uh, held under incarceration until they themselves could hold counsel and decide what would be done. Uh, the king... Oh, go ahead. I, I would, without wishing to further complicate this matter, the... The holding of Meronmir without also the holding of the sorcerer seems to provide little opportunity for real justice. And furthermore, there is another passenger on this train who incites this dark sorcerer willingly and thus is in some sense culpable. And who is this? Uh, her name is Madame Bonneval. She is uh, sequestered in her cabin at the moment. Um, uh, have her brought here. He says that just to the general room. So uh, uh, Henry says uh, right away, and he goes and leaves. Says I'm quite. I must say that you were quite impressive in your arguments um i am already intending intending to allow the cats to take neuronimer back to othar but uh he has a number of people able to speak in his behalf uh i myself have known this man for a while um he provided uh, some quite amazing uh wine uh, at uh, at uh, one of my previous birthdays, um, I can say also that he expressed a very deep and bitter distress when he was himself again about what had happened. Yes. So I would ask the cats of Uther to be very lenient and to not allow a death penalty in any case. Uh, but you know. Perhaps a short incarceration, and then uh, let him go. If your highness also could help him find his people, he suffers already from uh, very deep isolation. Unfortunately, I don't have any. I don't have any sway outside of this dreamland realm. His no. people are from Sarub, which is another universe itself. I don't. Nobody has seen any contact from them in many years a tragic number of years yeah i can however do what i what what may be possible to find his cat and this return might, him yeah this might help with the compulsion that the sorcerer used uh and have is it been explained the dark sorcerer disposing his his humanity yes that that, yeah. that comes up and he's like the nature of Henry's train. Uh, it's it's obviously become knowledge that it can be misused, and uh, 
it's not Henry's fault. Uh, there's no reason why anyone should ever lie to Henry, but evil people lie. And uh, there's it's it's a very difficult situation. the um, The nature of the dreamlands is such that good and evil are difficult to discern. It's uh, the uh, even the thoughts of a very good man can be dark. And the uh, thoughts of a very evil man can be very light. It's easy sometimes to switch, to change a person's mind, especially here when they are contemplating destruction and uh, of the self or of others. Uh, in any case, I think this being, we just need to make you know, guard ourselves against him, whatever he might throw at us if we can find a way to stop him in whatever he is doing which we don't know where he is from or where he is or what his plans are or what his defeat might be uh, apparently this woman that you said madame bonneval seems to know yeah they are connected in a very profound web of mutual hatred uh, is there a, if there is a city of wizards or some such in your realm, perhaps they will be able to ascertain something to reach this sorcerer, although it might simply be that she and Bonaval are so deeply connected that she is the only way. At that point, uh, the doors open and uh, Madame Bonaval uh, comes in with... Uh, with Henry, um, she comes in looking a bit defiant and uh, angry as she comes forward. But as she gets closer to Kuranes, um, you can see there's a look in her face that you've never seen before. One kind of, of uh, I mean, does she, does she see something that she actually herself finds beautiful and hasn't felt that feeling in such a long time that it's almost alien and surprising to her. But as she comes forward, her eyes avert downwards and uh, she becomes a little bit more respectful all of a sudden. And he's like, um, Madam, it's come to our attention that you are uh, in a great battle with uh, dark forces, this uh, wizard. Um, and We'll just say, we've been told your story, that he was the murderer of your daughter, and that you have devised some sort of grand scheme to get your revenge on him. I would suggest you consider giving up this evil, this, this intention. Uh, it's just going to destroy you. And um, she stays silent for a few moments, looking at the ground. Then she looks up at him and she says, I've been destroyed for hundreds of years. I am a husk of myself. There is nothing left in me but hatred. 
And I am considering, even now, traveling to the end of this and throwing that into the abyss. Is it possible, however, if you'll excuse my speaking, Your Highness, is it possible, Madam Bodhaval, now that you have met your nemesis and it threw its humanity into the gulf, perhaps you think you can do the same and meet him as an equal? She chuckles. She says, oh, we aren't equals. He's chased me for hundreds of years. He's never going to be my equal. I am always ahead of him, always one step ahead. I have lured him. He's thrown out his humanity in favor of a seething desire for my heart of hatred. And uh, he won't stop ever until that is gone. Yeah, so you accept that you have lured him. You are the active participant in this. You are responsible, therefore, for the death of the cat, the possible death of everyone on this train, because you are fishing out of your hatred. As I said, I, I am tired of this. I'm going to throw this into the abyss so that I don't ever have to worry about it again. You can, of course, do a cycle. <laughs> yeah. King Karanis, can you bind her to this? Because she's a liar. Oh, heavens. I only have 28 in psychology, but I rolled a two. Yeah, there is. You've gotten to where you can recognize deceit. Um, she's got something planned that she's planned for hundreds of years. And she's not going to just give it up. But her words come through. And the king, the king says uh, to you, he's like, I am not at liberty to force any of the subjects of the dreamlands to comply. I can urge them. I can, I can even expel them from the dreamlands. But I'm afraid this woman does not exist any longer in the real world. She is, as she says, a husk, a remnant of what she once was. The woman is long dead. She's a shadow, and he's a shadow too. I don't know what to do. I could hold you accountable, but uh, we could also make sure that you do stay on the train until the end of the line, at which point you'll never be able to get on the train again. And she says, I have no intention of getting off the train. Is there, uh, Your Majesty, some sort of Praetorian guard you can leave behind against her behavior after the gulf as I'm afraid it, it is there's no question that she is being deceitful 
these are my two right-hand men, Haragrim and Nadamenes. Um, would one of you two gentlemen volunteer to stay aboard the train? Uh, and, uh, and thus, uh, and he starts to think whether, because he will, he, that, that particular guard will never be able to ride the train again, but that's okay. You can find another guard to ride the train. Um, to make an assurance that she does what, what she says she's going to do. Both of them immediately volunteer. And he's like, no, just, just one of you. And they both sort of start vying with one another to volunteer. Um, both of them eager to, uh, to do it. And uh, he's finally fine. Paragrim, you're going to stay. Mm. He says, yes, you're going to stay. All right. So is that settled at least as much as it can be? Are there any other issues? None that I know of, Your Majesty. Says, well then, uh, this court is adjourned. Um, gentlemen, I would like very much to uh, commend you on your assistance in this matter. Um, uh, you have my favor, and if ever you are in Saranian or Salafaeus or any other place where I am, uh, you have you have uh, access to me and my counsel. This is very gracious, Your Highness. I, I wonder... We can say it sort of breaks up, and, and you guys, if you want to talk to him, he's sitting there listening. Well, there is this fellow uh, also that the train has taken on who has who suffered far too long in a city of mad temptation. And ah, the madman. Yes, yeah, um, you have been told. Yes, uh, Henry has discussed this with me. He is going to be departing in Sonomil, in, in Saranian, mm. and we are going to try to get him help. It is, uh, it is an excellent place for this to happen. Mm. Uh, he's also told me about the uh, the ghoul. Uh, uh, I Guillaume. think that Guillaume. I think that your uh, friend Guillaume. Uh, knows what he's doing. Um, he has already lost his humanity and he wishes to get rid of the worst part of what he is now. As to your other uh, companions, I cannot say. I don't know their stories. Hmm. But we should be arriving soon in Saranian. So if you don't have any other questions, we can move on to that. All right. So you guys sort of take a place on the observation platform as uh, as Henry had suggested. And when the, the train leaves Sonanil, uh, it rushes down towards the coast. And just as it gets to the coast, uh, the train begins to run on the water itself as if the water were dry land. So you can see strange dolphins swimming along beside it. Uh, uh, you can see luminescent fish and things like that as, uh, 
as uh, the, the train rushes towards the pillars of crystal. And then about mm, 10 minutes or so before you're about to get to those crystals, you can hear a noise. You're not sure. You think at first it's a rushing wind, but it's getting louder and louder. And then you realize that it is the sound of a waterfall. Oh. And up ahead of you, you can see that all of the oceans are pouring over the edge of the world just on the other side of the crystals. Hmm. And the train seems to sort of pick up speed as it goes. Uh, you, uh, Your face is, uh, you can feel the mist from the water, you know, rising up. And you can see little, you know, it's it's dark by now. It's night's out. And this, the stars in the sky seem to get even more spectacular, even, even larger. And as you are approaching what is no doubt a precipice going over the edge of the world, you can see that the stars go all the way down. <laughs> ah. So that there are stars down below as well. Uh, but in the distance, up in the sky, you can see a glowing sort of cloud. And as, uh, as Mimi hits the edge and vaults into the, uh, into the darkness, into the sky... Uh, she begins to continue to run, but she is now sailing like uh, like Santa Claus's reindeer flying up towards uh, this cloud city. The cloud city is so high that the last rays of the sun over the horizon are still hitting it, and it's all lit up. It's all pink and orange and and red. And you can see that the uh, it's all it's all seems to be made out of white white and pink marble. And you approach it, and uh, when you arrive, there is a fanfare. Uh, this is where the king is going to get off. This is where they take the madman to a hospital. Um, you meet um, Mac McKenzie. And he is getting ready to leave the train. If you want to talk to him, or I'll, I'll, I'll stop him um, before. But is it, laddie? Well, you, <laughs> you seem to be getting off the train. I guess indeed, I have some business here, as I've always got business, and he taps the valets, which now looks like it's even more bursting with uh, with paper. But you... Why? Why is... Why do this? Well, we have worldly responsibilities, my friend. You know, we can't just go off chasing our dreams every time. I want to be a poet, but, you know, what's that? Well, well why... Looking back on your on your life, Mackenzie, what what is it that's really going to be valuable to you? Is it going to be how many documents delivered, how much you were running about being a cog at a bureaucratic machine, or is it going to be the liberation of art? I I don't know how much religious writings you've ever read, but if you if you count the American transcendentalists as religious texts as some 
do, there was a man named Henry David Thoreau who discussed that, you know, so many people in this world are are stuck wanting to be poets and they're and they're waiting for the day in which they could start doing that. But he his advice is to is to start being a poet now, to to take up the poet's garret, as he says. What are you what what is there to wait for? Life is life is so painfully short. Oh. This is a difficult decision and you make it harder. My uh, my heart truly wants to do this, but I feel the weight. And you now see that the valets is like it's like a suitcase now, and it's pulling. It's like I say, it's strapped to the chain on his arm, and it's you know pulling his arm down. He's like I I I don't know. I've uh, tis all I've done my whole life, and. Uh, uh, it's a responsibility, but you can try persuading him, or you can both persuade Roll if you want to try. Ooh, my persuade is only it's only twenty, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll add to Doctor Naruto's argument uh, when he says that this is the only thing I've known. I was like, well, a wise man once said that uh, when we look back on our life, we we don't regret the things that we did. We re- we regret not trying to do things that we wanted, and we don't want to. I'd hate for you to look back on your life and think that and regret that you never tried to be a poet. You put me in such a difficult position. What did you? How did you do, Gabe? Uh, I'm ten. I'm ten off. I rolled thirty on twenty. Mm-hmm. On persuade so it would be pass on charm but i'm not really charming i'm trying to persuade him so but you guys oh my persuades bad yeah 70 something and i've got a 10 so yeah you can tell that deep down inside he is seriously struggling at this but uh he's he's like i'm i've made plans already Maybe next time, maybe next time I can do it. I can always get back on the train. You can always, you can always say next time, next time, next time. And just forever be subservient to the idea of a tomorrow. Hmm. Your arguments are really good. And I (laughs) would love to, I'd love to follow them. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I've got too many responsibilities. I, I just, maybe next time, maybe next time. You might want to ponder this simply because if you're, you're torn just off of a brief conversation, seems to me like you have some more searching to do. This might not be the right decision, Mackenzie. But it's it's the end, son. I've uh, if I get off now, I can try again later. If I don't get off, then I'm committed, and I'm not sure I can make that commitment. Let well. me ponder it, and he. Uh, 
he moves over to a, a chair and he sits and he puts his hands like this. And you can see the the case grow and shrink and grow and shrink. And he's pondering this. Um, meanwhile, everybody else is sort of gathered out here because they're, they're, they've been watching as, the, as we're flying up towards it. Um, Karakov seems pleasant enough, but he's quiet. Troubled. Uh, Zusha is uh, looking sad. Uh, Madame Bonneval's not there. Did she slink oh. off after the public event? Did she? How did she leave? She went back to her room. I will. Uh, I'll go talk to Zazusha. I've talked to her many times. Yeah, Bloch, you should see if you could do anything for Zusha. I, I fear that she will do herself harm mm -hmm. further. Okay. So she's sitting there looking out into the darkness. Oh. And. <laughs> All right, as I approach, I go, uh, have you uh, decided to continue on, Adam? I, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I've struggled. I've struggled most of my life trying to become, you know, a dancer and entertainer. But in the world that I, in the real world, I... I've gotten involved in drugs and everything else. I'm, I'm just not good enough, I guess. Oh, but you're, I've I've seen you dance. You are, you are wonderfully talented. You just can't throw all that away for, for chemicals. I know. I mean. I suppose that even if I throw my dreams away, I still go back to that same person who is hooked on drugs and my maybe, life will just go down the tubes. Maybe you could, instead of casting, casting away your dreams, you could cast away the, the need to numb your feelings with the drugs and, and by uh, getting rid of that, you can focus more on your talents. I mean, maybe I could. I'd need help getting off the drugs, but maybe there's places that can help me. Oh, there, there are. There are. I, but I it's so hard. It's so oh. difficult. Yeah, I, I I understand stand that. That's why it is an is an addiction. If it if it was easy, you wouldn't be hooked addicted to it. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should. I mean, I'm I'm still young. Oh, and beautiful. And, I know. think I'll go on, but 
I, I, I'll go on, but I'm just not sure yet exactly what I'll do. But you're very persuasive. I'm, I'm glad you bring a smile to my face. Does anyone else want to do anything? I think the Broski and I are, are trying to figure out how it is possible to drink Turkish coffee while vertical. It's very strange. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, if if uh, Karakov were to be leaning out of a window, I might give him a kick in the run. <laughs> Maybe we'd catch uh, him. <laughs> Henri, I have a question, Henri. Oui, monsieur. The if the if the if the formation of Vert finds a form that that seems correct, is it locked into place? Or no, can monsieur, you continue it's, it's, to manipulate. It's you that that use the vert to create a representation of your pain. You, you can change that if you change your mind. In fact, once you've succeeded in doing it, which you've all done, it's quite easy. You can make it into whatever you want it to be. But the the dark sorcerer was able to fool you into thinking that he had made a formulation of one thing, his anger, and yet it was secretly his humanity. Is that because the shape does not indicate the meaning? The shape has meaning for you, monsieur. I do not know oh. what you have placed in the shape of your bird. Um, and you could lie to me if you wanted to. So I would not recommend it. <laughs> Those who have done so did not seem very happy about it, I agree. How many, I guess you would not know because they cannot return. I wonder what, how many of those who cast their fear or trouble into the gulf are pleased after? Oh, I'd say some of them, quite, quite many that I know of. Uh... And it's not that I, that uh, the, 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 you know, we all have ways to please ourselves by finding loopholes in things. Um, the, uh, I don't know if you went to the little tea house just outside of Uther when you were there, perhaps not. But uh, that fellow was once a traveler on my train. He had a quite very a very old of, fellow with the beard. Oh, no, that's Atal. But he's he's a very lovely person too. No, this is a Russian fellow, um, quite aristocratic. Uh, escaped, as I think he said, he escaped Russia just before the revolution. Um, he had a great many troubles and threw them into the abyss. And um, I, he may have died. I don't know, but he is often here, and I often visit him. I can visit people outside of the train so in my yeah. stops i can't go wandering about because yeah, responsibilities yeah um yes i'd say they're quite fulfilled it's really a small thing that you're giving away but it's something that is an obstacle to you 
Um, and it's only my hope that in your in the real world you do something well with it. I heard you talking to Shusha. Why should she give up her life? She's so young. Just because you don't succeed doesn't mean that you won't succeed. Exactly. We, I failed many times before I was finally given the chance. I'm afraid Karakov may be in the wrong. He might be on the wrong path. I don't know. He's very difficult to read. He's a very likable fellow. And he obviously, I mean, you've seen his monstrous yeah. trunk. Yeah. That's obviously his guilt. What was it that was said? A pound for every murdered person in the war that he's uh, that he's responsible for. But maybe his conscience can be tipped. Maybe he can change it into something better. If the individual must throw the object. It's not as though Mimi could grab that trunk and toss it over the edge. That would be a violation, correct? Yeah. It's a pity because he is suffering a great deal and a danger to others. Free will, I suppose. I'm afraid that if he throws his guilt over, then when he awakens, he won't feel any remorse at all for what he's done. Oh, yeah. If you throw away your problem like that, then it means that you won't you won't feel anything for it on the other side. That's very dangerous. Hmm. You might Works, have a problem uh, with your father, and if you throw that memory over the over the into the abyss, then when you come back, you'll just ignore him. That so. raises an interesting point. Uh, Theodore. You shaped your vert into the Sedef card, didn't you? I started to, yes. But I'm not so certain I want to throw <laughs> my my pain away or my guilt or my fear, what troubles me. Those things make us who we are. They're part of us for better or for worse. Would I want to get rid of a part of me that makes me who I am. I generally like who I am. I don't know if this is wise at all. Monsieur Thursby, part of the magic that I have given the train summons people. Uh, you notice that not everyone who's on the train on the Orient Express comes here. It's the ones who have something inside that is keeping them back. So search your soul. Is there some moment of where your courage failed you? Or oh, some moment where you feel guilty over the death of someone that wasn't really your fault? That's the kind of thing you can get rid of here. Yes, but those... Those aspects are what make us human. They are what you won't like. you won't forget that they happened. This is not going to erase your memories. It's just going to erase that pain that is keeping you. Uh, an example is like poor Mister McKinsey. 
what he needs to rid himself of is procrastination. Every time he wants to do it, he feels that his burden's gotten, just tomorrow is all he ever says. And tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and eventually there won't be any more tomorrows for him. Um, I personally hope that he does, but uh, he keeps, uh, keeps riding the train and then getting off. Does that um, answer your question or alleviate your doubts? I don't know what this thing you referred to as, this simulacrum. It's very troubling indeed, but it is perhaps not the right thing for me to be addressing. Not. But that's... Well, and he, uh, he looks at his wrist. <laughs> and he says, um, you've got about a half an hour before we're due to leave. And uh, he just turns towards the front of the train, sort of out the sides, and he says, the abyss is there. We're about to reach the ferry bridge once we leave. Oh, so this was in the station of the Marble Cloud? This is, the, yeah, well, yeah, we'll say that you've arrived there. and. Yeah. You see people walking about in splendorous clothing and uh, people with funny hats and books in their hands and scholars. And, and uh, you know, it's like Olympus, it seems almost like. Uh, I, gentlemen, I don't understand yet how this process works, and I'm afraid thus. For, for us to proceed precipitously. If it was bad for the sorcerer to throw his humanity into the abyss, it would also be bad for Karakov to throw his guilt into the abyss. Yes. What does it mean to lose a thing? Guilt is a bad feeling. Humanity is a good feeling. The outcomes in both cases were a problem. Yeah, well, I I think I see what Henri was talking about. If he throws his guilt guilt in, his guilt is then he doesn't feel any guilt about what he's doing. He'll just keep doing it even more. I mean, if almost like you have no conscience, like you're a sociopath henry will henry will interject and he'll say there are far better ways to get rid of your guilt than to just disregard it and throw it away true i mean karakov would be far better served if he could somehow throw in a manifestation of his his feeling of being trapped in his arm stealing Man is vastly wealthy. His attachment to wealth, perhaps, if he threw that away. I think Henri needs to hire a team of full-time psychotherapists. 
I wonder if the if that Freud fellow will ever take the train. Oh, Siggy. <laughs> He's a banana. He'd have a hard time throwing his mother into the gulf fence. His his train car would be nothing but prongs and holes everywhere. Cigars. <laughs> Gentlemen, we uh, we have achieved something with this mysterious substance. But if we are going to take the final step of giving it away, I would prefer we do it together rather than be trapped, uh, some of us away from the train and some of us riding again. I must, I must admit, uh, Dr. Kurz, that uh, it, prior to this conversation, I was dedicated to casting mine in, but after talking to Henri, he made me concerned about throwing it in. W will I forget my father if I throw in the, re the regret, or will I, maybe I need to work more on my vert, and instead of losing the regret of my decision, lose the the focus on the tragedy and instead be able to focus on the joy that the time I spent with my father and then let go of the just the focus on the the end. Hmm. I wonder whether instead of my arrogance Although it is a danger, perhaps where we are going, I should transform this into my fear. Because living with less fear seems a good transition when chasing down demons. Fear is natural. Being completely fearless, you will lose a part of yourself. And uh, yeah, definitely, as a as a big game hunter, you have to have a a little bit of fear. You need to be able to respect the danger that you may be getting yourself into. Henry also reminds you that it can be very specific. It doesn't have to be all of your fear. It'll be fear of specific things. Or regret over one specific thing. And I, like he, he does also explain, you won't forget those things. Yeah. They just won't have the effect that they used to have on you. Sleepless nights, you know, tossing and turning in your bed, that won't happen anymore. I would like to construct a Vert totem of my vulnerability to skinless men. <laughs> Interesting. What if you turn to stone? <laughs> yeah, we have to remember also we are having dream logic throughout this. One thing might seem to be a thing, but be a shifted 
something, but my whole life has been based on those things that have nicked at me. Throwing them away now would just, don't know, pointless. I feel pointless. No, now that I think about it, I'm I'm ready to let let go of the pain pain of that and focus on the happier times. I I think I will. I'm I'm not having so many reservations about casting away this um this deep deep sense of shame that I carry with me or. Mm. We're departing the, the religious ways of my upbringing. Yeah, I'm thinking that what I was calling simple arrogance or hubris might be instead the specific arrogance of believing that I can understand the world, which leads me to a... It has interfered with what we have seen in that I believe that everything should be rational and, and we have learned that I do not know what rational is in this universe, after all. Perhaps I'll be ready. Theodore adore him. Mm -hmm. Still not fully settled on this. Since we are both at the same you have the option of getting off the train. You under no pressure. And after all, we have been able to provide service by riding this far. Perhaps if we were to leave the train forever, we would miss an opportunity to come. Yeah, it's difficult because, uh, as I said, most of my life has been revolved around my resentment of myself, anger towards my father, even though he is dead now. But it's it's what has made me me. So throwing that away, I know I'll still remember all of that. It won't change, but I don't want to lose it at all. The conundrum. Mm. Henry rejoins you and he says, Well, my friends, the time has come. The train will be leaving in a few moments. What shall it be? My friends, I think we should go on to Venice and learn what there is there. We. Oui. I will ride on Henri. Henri. Yeah, I as well. I will do I will stay on the train as well. I step off. I also step off. I cannot ride. I'm too conflicted to ride. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> But that doesn't help anything if Dorian stays. 
what did the rest of you want to try to convince Dorian? Come on, Dorian. Dorian oh, cool Dorian's, like, <laughs> Dorian's yeah. trying to crawl into Madame B's valise. I mean, she's like, hey, she's got the sapphire in here. I want the ruby. <laughs> you can try if you want. I, Dorian can be convinced. He's conflicted himself. So. Dorian, I understand what you're what you're thinking. Um, I've I've had a similar conflict myself. Do I want to put this at ease with myself? I've I've always felt like the black sheep of my family. Uh, every everything I wanted to pursue, my family's frowned upon, and I've always felt railroaded to get into big business, everything my family wanted. And that's driven me more to pursue a life away from my family. So, yeah, I need that to propel myself into my, my life, my interests, what I love to pursue. But I still don't sleep well at night. I still have this nagging pain with making my parents so disappointed in me. I, I need to put that to rest. And I think that by doing so, I can at least sleep with my, with me, who I am and be at rest at peace, still knowing what they feel, but not being as weighed down by it. I think my growth has happened already. And I would love to lay this to rest. I hope maybe something like that might be similar with you. Maybe the changes of your pain and suffering have already impacted you in the ways it needed. And maybe you can find some rest. Damn, I'm persuaded. No. <laughs> 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 You hit quite close to <laughs> for me there. Damn. Yeah. There's an key tear going down my eye. Yeah. Because this thing has to say the same thing as Thursby did. That which made you does not mean that you must continue to bear it. The shape of the form that you grew into is not a shell that you have to carry around for the rest of time. And we are not visiting this great gulf to lose ourselves, but to lose something that prevents us from being ourselves. I have studied the minutiae of mineral chemicals my entire life with most specific physical real things. This will not help me in the world we now know is true of this cursed sculpture and these mad people and their rightful God. So for me, I am becoming free of an inhibition. This is my hope. 
see. I see where you, you both have come from. Uh, it just, it's a pain. It's always been a pain, this nagging feeling, uh, the resentment of being the older sibling and not being there for my sister and my brother. And I just feel like I, I don't want to throw it away because I'm, it's, I want to punish myself for not standing up. And yeah, and you think this would be something they would, they would like? That you limit yourself? Or do you think that given that they are sacrificed, you should be free? But remember them and honor them through the actions you can make. Yes, and it's a, it's a, and as you just partially admitted to yourself, it's it's masochistic. You do it. It's not about them. It's about you. In, in a way, you're weaponizing of this sense of responsibility against yourself over and over again is it's selfish in a lot of ways. Far more selfish than it is benevolent to others. I guess it is, but I don't know. It's what my whole career has been. I guess I was so set on where I wanted to be and that selfishness has gone on with me and I just I just it is hard to let it go because it has done so much pain and suffering for myself and I also suspect that the others on this train need our assistance. When you uh, say that to Dorian, you notice behind you, because you guys are sitting there talking, that um, Mackenzie stands up, sort of straightens his tie, and walks off the train, not wanting to talk to anybody as he goes, just resolved that he's just going to be procrastinating before <sighs> Makes me sad. Dorian, we can do this. Once more into the breach. Hmm. One for all and all for one. We've come so far together, so far making a difference. And, it, and if you step off this train, do you only continue to participate in the reproduction of your own, of the own violence against yourself? If violence perpetuated against you, and now you are the one filling that role of perpetuating violence against yourself, albeit mentally, that doesn't do you any good. Dorian steps forward as if he's going to step off the train. And he takes a moment he turns back and he gives all of you hugs especially Theodore and then he sits down in silence and starts to cry remaining on the train now sit down right beside Dorian and just be right there 
in silence with it. And the train begins to move away from the station. Far up into the sky it travels. And as it travels, there is a noise that you can hear in the distance. At first, it sounds like thunder, uh, louder than the, uh, than the sound of the waterfall, which is now far behind you. And you're all still on the observation platform. Something is forming in the sky. A black cloud is beginning to form. The train is moving towards it. And as you, you look on ahead, you can see that the, it, it seems to form itself into a black skull. And two red stars in the sky start looking down through its eyes. And I think that's where we're going to end it. That's a good spot to end it. <laughs> Jeez. Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gasway, Stuart Lively, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and and uh, with yours truly as the keeper of the secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members. You can set up private games. You can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastery. We provide audio-only versions of our shows, free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.